of us do, even our mom outside. <laughs> and um, well, the part two is now going on. So uh, in case you didn't uh, uh, sign up yet, please do so as soon as possible. Um, so with my, uh, without much ado, I would like to welcome Professor Dr. Ajumain. Thank you so much uh, for the nice introduction and also opportunity for me to come today and, and talk to you all. So what I'm going to um, try and do is that I'm not just only going to talk to you. Most part of it is going to be a discussion and so that people can raise their own questions and then you can decide. Because this topic is very complicated. Many people have their own different ways of tackling it. So I'm going to try and and give an overview and then also share some experiences and how we can. But I'm very um, also impressed that there's so many people, especially um, the weather and then this evening and everybody wants to get home. So it's great that you've all managed to, um, to come for this. Um, so, I mean, the, the topic is mental health. But I put, I try to put a title as a healthy mind. Basically, the, what I'm trying to do here is to try to also to put it in a positive spin. Um, yeah. So we've heard a lot actually about mental health, and as you know, mental health. Uh, you can actually decide the physical health and the mental health. The mental health is anything that dealing with the you know, psychological aspect part of humans. And then put it here, it refers to our cognitive behavior and emotional well-being. Uh, it is about the way we think, how you feel, and how you behave. For many people, I mean, not everybody has to, in a way, to go through this process every day. So it's just part and parcel of us. So mental health is certainly uh, something that no one can actually ignore. And that's why it's so important that you look at it very well. Because it's also very well connected to physical health, basically. It's just intrinsically linked. So because of that, um, the World Health Organization, if, has anybody heard, heard about the World Health Organization? Yeah, great. So these are a very important uh, organization in the world that is responsible for all health. You've heard about coronavirus, and the World Health Organization at the moment is taking uh, the, the road to try to um, sort it out. And basically what makes this organization very unique is that it brings the entire world together. And the entire world coming together, they sit down and then decided to define what they call mental health. And what it states here is that is the state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stress of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his own community. So if you look at this definition, so mental health is actually very broad. 
it's not just a matter of um, you know, or you wake up in the morning and say, oh, I'm actually I have a clear mind. It involves in many many steps. So if you look at this definition, basically, one your ability to cope with stresses, and the stress, as you know, is just part and parcel of human beings. If you wake up in the morning and you are in a bad mood, many people wake up, they wake up angry. Some people even call it, I'm not a, a morning person. I'm, I'm the only afternoon person. Some people, when they wake up in the morning, don't go near them. Uh, because um, some cases you can even have a problem. So that's part of it. But the issue is, how do you cope with these normal stresses? For instance, if you have someone in the house who wake up in the morning, and nobody can, you know, basically go near that person. How do you cope with this person in the house? And also says that can uh, work productively and fruitfully. Again, here the work becomes a very important part because we always, most of us, have to go to work. So how are you going to be productive? And in the process of being productive. How can you go to work without being stressed? Um, so that's very important component. And also being able to make a contribution to his or her community. So that means that your societal impact, what you do for your community. So what is actually trying to tell us is that when you talk in terms of mental health, it takes a lot of things into account. And actually, if you are only able to fulfill these very important things, that is actually where the issue of mental health comes in. For instance, if you are unable to contribute to the society, if you don't have a job that you are able to contribute to the society, able to feed your family, they can bring tremendous amount of stresses. And also the work that you go to. You all do have work, or many of us do have it. If you go to work and the environment within that work is not conducive or is not more friendly, that means that it brings us a tremendous amount of stresses. So they give it in a very, very broad terms. And also your community, not only for yourself, but the community you live in. You know, for instance, you see the Ghanaian community. It's a very small community, and particularly in, in Amsterdam. So people know many people. So if you are unable, people see you and then don't regard that, oh, um, this person is not going well, his contribution and others. That can also bring different level of stress. Even in churches that you go to, uh, many of these churches and others, you have to be sure that you also contribute to the church. You have to actually give correction and you have to do many things. So if you are unable to do this, all these things can also create some level of stresses that sometimes you are not even aware of. So these are kind of um, issues that deals with um, stresses. Yeah. Okay, so I think I've got it. So common mental disorders, I mean that if you can group them into three key uh, parts, 
part one, I would say the anxiety disorders. And then the second part is the mood disorders. And last is the, is the schizophrenia uh, disorders. So I will try and go through um, one by one so that we get the um, meaning of those before we move on. Yeah, so this one also takes a lot of time. Let me see. Um, I think it's taking me to um, the signal is not. Let me see. So the first one is the anxiety disorders, and that can be severe uh, fear um, or anxiety, which is linked to certain objects or situations. Most people with an anxiety disorder will try to avoid exposure to whatever trigger the anxiety. Uh, in other words, there are situations where many people um, do their best to just stay clear of those things that bring them anxiety. And it can be um, actually categorized into four key. The, the first one is panic disorder. This means that the person experiences sudden uh, paralyzing terror or a sense of imminent disaster. There are some people that when they have this, you know, in many things, even if it's a very small thing, they think that their world is going to come to an end. And then they start panicking. Then they start doing things that, you know, over and above what should be normal things should happen. And then you also have phobia, simple phobia, that's the approaching fear of objects. And you have social phobia, fear of being subject to the judgment of others. For instance, some people might say that when they go to church, you know, some people even think that everybody in the church is looking after them. They are looking at their uh, private lives and, and others. So, even moving from their home to church is an issue because they think that everybody is talking about them. Um, so that can be a, a, a social phobia. And agoraphobia or dread of situation where getting away or breaking free may be difficult. Some people also you know, sometimes fear that when they get into, say, friendship and others, it's always very difficult for them to get away. So there's a different types um, of this anxiety. Can I get the next slide? Yeah. And then you have the mood uh, disorders. And these are also known as affective disorder or depressive disorder, or some people call it depressive symptoms. Uh, people with these conditions have significant change in mood, generally involving either mania, addiction, or depression. And mainly you hear a lot about depression, and the depression can be a major one. And the major ones is basically, you get people who is completely, they don't have any interest at all in anything that is going around. For instance, if there is an activity, they don't want to. And even what makes this actually is that these people are those people that previously have taken interest in specific things. For instance, someone who is very good in the church in terms of choir singing, love singing. And all of a sudden, the person cannot be bothered actually to, to get involved anymore. So sort of get withdrawn. 
and experience a stream of a long period of sadness. And sometimes these people also with them, you know, they can just get stuck in their own world. You know, being very um, sad, being about very little little things. And then you have the pipe, uh, bipolar disorder or maniac de uh, depressive uh, illness or maniac depression. And these people switch from episode of euphoria, uh, that's mania, to uh, this, uh, depression. You know, you have other people where all of a sudden you know, they burst out laughing, and there's another of a sudden, boom. So there is a different level. And you also have what you call persistent depressive disorder, uh, which is actually um, mild chronic depression. Similar, it's actually similar to the. Um, the major depressive symptoms. The only thing is that it's actually not that severe. And there is also a situation whereby you have what you call the seasonal affective disorder, the worst sad. And usually this type of depression is triggered by lack of you know, daylight, especially if many people are moving from, say, the tropics and coming to the country. You know, it get dark too easily. And then, particularly in the northern Scandinavia, where it can get so dark very easily and then that can actually trigger this. so actually it's not uncommon that if you look at in terms of suicide it tends to be very higher in the in the in the in the, in the scandinavia compared to those that is no light and this is sometimes can kind of driven by this specific thing so these are uh, uh, mood disorder next uh, slide And then you have a schizophrenia uh, disorder, which is actually with, is the huge um, burden. Unfortunately, you actually don't know much about schizophrenia. Um, but these are, if you like, the, 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 the strongest form of uh, mental illness. Um, and it's actually um, usually people who got this have what you call uh, delusions hallucinations, and other cognitive uh, or other mental difficulties. And this can be actually can be a very long time. And some people get this, it can be for, for, for life. And delusion, when we hear about delusion, um, sometimes displays of false beliefs, which can take in many forms. For instance, delusion of persecution. So when some people have this, in a mild form, they think that someone is up there coming to catch them. Or sometimes they even think that they are the king of, of the Netherlands. And they, they, so they, they expect that when they issue orders, everyone else uh, listen to them. And then you have also hallucination, basically uh, hearing of voices. You know, many people, when they get into this, they think that someone is talking to them and that they can be actually quite dangerous because sometimes when they hear these voices, it can, but this is a very extreme form, and also other thoughtful disorders. Uh, in this situation, so many people, when they are talking, for instance, you are talking about one topic, before you are aware, they are on, uh, about 10 kilometers away from another topic. Um, so these are also um, different uh, forms. Next slide. So how do you then know that you know there is a mental health issues. 
unfortunately, just like any other, uh, in particularly mental health, it's always very, very difficult to actually pinpoint what is actually happening. And actually, in terms of diagnosis, it's very difficult. Usually, it's based on, you know, a lot and a lot of assessment. But there are certain things that actually can help you to make sense of what is actually going on. And one of the things is that when you're beginning to see people just getting withdrawing away from the people or activities they normally enjoy. You know, sometimes people like many things and all of a sudden you're beginning to see them keep themselves to themselves. They don't want to be, you know, um, get into anything anymore. And usually when people also with this situation beginning to sleep and when they sleep they don't wait to wake up or they're beginning to start eating uh, and they can continue eating and eating. Some people as a, f a form of a comfort. Actually. And feeling as if nothing matches. In other words, basically, the world, so far as they are concerned, you know, them and nothing else. And usually you also have consistently low energy. They don't want to actually uh, involve anything. They get tired very easily. So these are sometimes, uh, some of the symptoms. And you also have a situation whereby people then start taking a different uh, behavior. For instance, they start adapting using drugs or drinking alcohol or nicotine. And also uh, start displaying uh, uncharacteristic uh, behaviors. And all of a sudden, you know, in some cases, people begin to behave very strangely. So instead of the normal thing, they start actually uh, deviating. And then usually they get confusion or they get confused, you know, so they don't know where they are. You know, and also persistent thought or memory that appear uh, regularly, you know, sort of they keep on getting these kind of delusions, keep on something, keep on coming into their minds here and there. And thinking of home ones, uh, harming oneself or others. And it's not uncommon that, you know, you get actually, particularly in children, then they start using blades to start cutting themselves. Um, and then some people, you know, even if you look at their arms, all just been just cut up. That gives a sign of um, this, particularly in children, the teenagers. This is a very uh, big issue. So if you have a teenager, it's very important to keep track on this. And also hearing, hearing voices, which is a hallucination. So many people start, you know, start to feel like someone is talking to them. And then they start hearing. And then delusions, which basically means that, you know, yeah, one of my good friends in London, uh, he's been working in Balmash, Balmash and prisons, and he always says that you know, for many people, you know, it's very difficult, even the uh, have this mental, I mean, I mean those that are have schizophrenia, they still think they are normal. So that's also make it very hard. To, to help other people. Next slide, please. So what actually can then contribute to the mental health problems that you actually see? So this is a very nice kind of um, cycle to give us and an, an what can actually drive this. So if you look at the, the middle, you have the health, uh, mental health, and the well-being. And you have individual attributes and behavior. So individual means that you as a person, you, you know, something around you, which can actually drive that. And I'll be going into it step by step. 
And then you have the social uh, and economic circumstances. When you say the social and economic circumstances, it means, for instance, do you have a job? Are you happy with your job? Um, you know, uh, do you earn enough income to be able to pay for your bills? And all these aspect parts can also contribute to your uh, mental well-being. And then you have the environmental factors can also contribute tremendously. When you say environmental factors, of course, it's a very broad term, but then you can bring it up. For instance, if you live in a place where there's a lot of constant noise, you know, if there's a pollution in the, in, in the environment, if you're afraid because there is a, a criminal activities within all this environment, that makes you naturally become unsettled mentally. So all these things can actually um, contribute to that. In, in a, uh, so you go through the next slide and then, uh, yeah. So to go into that, if you look at the individual attributes, uh, first, you have what you call the um, adverse factors or the factors that can actually um, contribute to that or harm you. And there is also protective factors, those that can actually prevent you from having that condition. So for the individual level, it could be low self-esteem. You know, low self-esteem is actually quite common, particularly also the younger people. Sometimes people find it difficult, you know, they feel like, you know, um, yeah, uh, it, many people have very good aspirations and they feel that they have not fulfilled uh, these aspirations. And this can actually um, give them low self-esteem. And the, if this continues to persist, that can actually lead to a poor mental and also cognitive or emotional immaturity. There are many people that when there is a, a problem, they find it very difficult to handle. You know, there are many people don't want to talk. And again here, I think the point here is very, very important to talk. It's absolutely important to talk. If you have a problem, you discuss. Even if you don't like it, please discuss it. Don't let the message sit in your, you know, within you for too long. Because if you sit for too long, that's where many things happen. So feel free to talk. It's very important. And also, of course, difficulty in communicating mental illness. One, you know that many people also sometimes, when they have the problems, they find it very, very difficult to talk about it. If they are having, say, depressed and others, Particularly in some communities like our community, Ghanaian community, and many minority communities, mental health has a lot of stigma. And nobody wants to basically talk about it. Uh, I mean, um, is there nobody been here, have been to Ghana? Yeah, many people have. That's good. You know that in Ghana, uh, or not only actually in Ghana, in many cultures, no one, no one wants to be known to have a mental problem. Um, and even in some situations, if someone has got a mental issues within the family, it's usually swept under the carpet. So no one can actually talk about it. So that means that even if the young people want to talk about it, in some situations they are afraid because they're going to be labeled, you know, going to be stigmatized. 
And then you have the substance uh, use, or if to make it even more uh, unpleasant, misuse. You know, there are some people getting into the spiral of not feeling happy, and then the result to many, say, for drugs and, and others. And that can actually also increase your, uh, or decrease your mental well-being. So that's the individual level. But then you have the, uh, the social uh, circumstances, uh, the socioeconomic part. Sometimes you have people who are feeling very lonely. Lonely means that you know you kind of feel like you don't have friends. You're very much isolated. Especially for the young people, if you go to schools and you are fighting, and all of a sudden you don't feel like you belong, and all of a sudden you feel like you know you are just on your own. You have no one to talk to you uh, and others, and this can actually increase your chances. And bereavement, so someone, the loved ones within the family or someone else passes away. And also usually neglect. You know, sometimes, you know, if you have children and others that you are not looking after properly, sometimes these children, uh, if there is an issue, you don't even know that someone is there for them. And then you have the family conflict. This is also a very, very important point. When there's a big fight within the family, it can actually go on. And so many people, that can go on for years. And then you have what you call the uh, uh, low uh, exposure to violence or abuse. And in some situations, in some families, you know, the, the, the family can be a huge abuse within the family. It can be the father abusing the children. I mean, when you talk in terms of abuse, it's not in this matter. It could be, you know, beating. It could be, you know, between um, spouses. It could be a man beating the woman or the woman beating the man. So it could be, this can go on and then sort of if you like violence going into the family. So particularly if you have the children um, getting exposed to these things, that can make them uncertain. Every child wants to be happy. Every youth wants to be happy. To see your parents fighting all the time can actually also um, put some uh, mental difficulties in children. You have low income and poverty. This is also a major issue, particularly among the minority communities, such as ours. Young people that sometimes have studied so hard and they know that they have the degree, they know that they have everything that it takes and find it difficult to get a job that they deserve. And in some situations, end up, you know, yeah, knowing that you have, that you cannot. This can actually uh, create a mental problem for many people. Because, of course, particularly those that were born here, as a second generation, uh, that you know that, you know, you come from this country, you've done all you are supposed to uh, do, you've gained all the degrees, but you cannot get a decent job. So that can create a lot of more happiness and subsequently making people mentally deranged. And then you have difficulties of failure at school. And there are also situations when some children, or maybe not only children or youth, get into the system and then they haven't been unsuccessful in getting through it. And this can also create unhappiness, make people like, again, become more lonely, they get isolated from the society as a whole, 
And if you don't take care about this, you can actually create mental problems for many people. And another one is work stress and unemployment. I think the unemployment deals with what I've already said earlier. If you, particularly if you know that you've um, done your best in sitting down there not getting a job that you deserve, that can actually drive you in the world, drive you crazy. And then you have work stress. It's also one of the important parts. And I actually know that many of the stresses come from jobs, work. In particular, if you're a minority as well, you know, if you go to work, you can encounter discrimination, for instance. Um, and then everybody is picking on you. And whatever you can do, you know, feels like it's not good enough. And this can actually also make you become very unhappy mentally. And then you have what you call the environmental factors. Actually, poor access to basic services, for instance. So if you live in a in some countries, probably not here, Netherlands in, in that regard, it's not bad. Although we know, it, for instance, in our communities, many people don't want to go to AMC because they know that if they say that if they go, they don't come back. Um, so not only that, sometimes it's actually the, 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 um, the conceptualization of that. You know, for instance, also lack of understanding. For AMC, for instance, is one of the top hospitals in the, in the whole of the Netherlands. Only those that go there are people who need specialized care. That also means that people that go there, um, compared to people going to peripheral, it's more likely that your condition is worse. So it's more likely that you know, you're going to die compared to people going to, say, the HGPs. But actually, again here, uh, people do not get that understanding. And so for that, people knowing that you are taking them into, uh, that to go to AMC can bring them tremendous amount of stresses. And as a result, many people might not also even seek services at all because of fear. And also you have injustice and discrimination. And injustice is, is one of the powerful uh, terms uh, because I think these are one of the things that drive many people crazy into brackets. When you say unjust, unjust means that you know knowing that you deserve something and not being given. For instance, you've worked very, very hard. Uh, your exam results look perfect. You apply for a specific course and then you feel that you've not been getting that chance to study because of your race. Or you have a job that you feel that you have all the qualifications that you should be able to get a job, but you cannot get it. And you're giving it to someone else. So then you feel that this has been unjust. And this injustice can also make people really, really annoyed and actually also make them start thinking that, why should I bother? And so with all these things, how do you handle them? So if you do not handle this well, then that can actually make you become more susceptible to these mental problems. And then, of course, discrimination. Discrimination is actually the thought that someone's uh, 
think that because of their culture, they are superior than others. Uh, and discrimination, particularly for the youth, African youth, this is a major, major problem. And the issue is how do you address this particular issue? You know, many people take it in a different forms. Many people can be very, very annoyed uh, because, again, it's linked to injustices. Uh, but I think the problem, the way you handle it uh, is an issue. How do you handle it? Are you going to continue to be angry all the time? If you continue to be angry all the time, that means that it's going to have a tool, going to have effect on your mental well-being. So of course, unfortunately, discrimination is up there. But how do you navigate through this system? And I think it's something that after my talk, you want us to discuss a bit more on that. How do we actually tackle this? And of course, uh, you know, social and, and gender inequalities. For instance, you might see that, you know, uh, particularly the gender inequalities as well. Uh, in some of our communities, you know, the preferences, if you live in a family, if, um, say, you are female, you are very brilliant, you are very clever. But then in some cultures, decided, okay, we give the, the chance to the, to, to the boy. This is unjust. This is a, it was a gender discrimination. And for many people, or for many young females, that can be a no-go. And then actually put them into that. But the good news is that there are also uh, protective factors that can actually, um, you know, if you have a self-esteem or confidence, that can actually help you to improve your mental health. So although you have the negative part, the positive part, you actually, I want you to take the positive part with you more so than the negative part. So you need to build self-confidence. You need to build it. Um, and also the ability to solve problems and manage stress you know, or adversity. You know, you are human beings. Every problem has a solution. So if there is a problem, just don't revert. Think about it and find a solution for it. Again, talk to people. There is always someone up there who is able to help you navigate through this. Don't put it on yourself. And also develop communicating skills. You know, if you are angry and if you feel that you're now able to talk, get someone else who can talk. Get someone else who you have confidence in to discuss your problem with so that the person will help you. Don't sit in isolation. And the physical health and fitness is also very important. As I said, because the mental health is intrinsically linked or is directly linked with physical health. So that means that, particularly you know that those people that do a lot of physical activity tend to have a better mental health. So physical, you know, keeping fit, for instance, is very, very good. And the social support of the family and friends. I think one of the uh, things that I like about the African community very much is that wherever you go, you have a system in place. You have churches, you have community organizations, you have, although it, it has its own disadvantages, but it's also having many, many advantages. So make use of this. I mean, like a church. There is not many uh, migrant communities or minority communities that... Um, you know, Jennifer just 
texted or you want to come and I just, I thought I'm going to speak to you about five or four people. But then all of a sudden, so many people here. So there is a network is there. So make use of that network. Talk to people. You know, try to find people you have confidence in. Don't sit down and soak. Talk. And then, of course, uh, you know, good uh, parenting or family interactions. If you have problems, I mean, every family is just, if you like, a kind of, a, you know, a sort, you know, a, you know, a cut in a different direction. But the family is a very, very important source. So if you need the support, talk to the family. And the physical security and safety and the economic um, you know, security um, and the satisfaction and success at work. I mean, all these things are difficult um, to do that, but I get talk, talk to people, you know, don't um, soak. And of course, you know, equality of access to basic services, social justice, tolerance, integration. And I think that these issues are more broad and beyond many people. But I think that um, a church like this can actually contribute to that. Because, you know, to, to promote social justice, usually as one person, it doesn't. But as a community, we can go a long way you know, to, uh, to make a difference. Um, and of course, social and gender equality as well. I think that for that, especially the gender part, we can all contribute to that. We can all start educating our families. We can all promote uh, equity within our own families. That is not only the boy who should excel, but girls should also excel too. And that it should be based on uh, what's the word, the ability, not the preference because of gender. And I think we can all promote that in our own communities. Next slide, please. Yes, and I think that, you know, what we see is that you are talking about uh, these terms, you're talking about the problem is that when you see the stresses, you clearly see that particularly the minority population tend to have more problems of these stresses or mental health problems compared to, say, the white population. And this is the work that was actually coming from uh, the Netherlands. That's from the CBS. You've all heard about CBS, eh? Central Bureau of Statistics. And they asked question, and the question is, have you felt uh, great anxiety, and have you been feeling so down that nothing could cheer you up? So many people actually answer this. So they did that nationwide, the whole of the Netherlands. And as you could see here, um, in this was done in 2000, between 2015 and 2017. And 8% of young people between 12 and 25 years old reported a poor mental health conditions. Over one third of the mental health unhealthy young people reported suffering from depression in the past 12 months. And if you see, this one here, the other side, you see the bar. Yeah, the first one is the total. And then you see that the Western, that means that 
those uh, population moving from other Western countries, such as UK, Germany, coming to live in the country. And the next slide is those who say that non-Western uh, people. So you see that non-Western involve people like us, um, you know, moving from others if their parents were born in the country or the, your country were born outside, so the minority population. And then you see that the native Dutch here. So you see clearly that the native Dutch is just about 7%. But the minority populations is far, far higher than the white Dutch population. You also see that actually the females appears to be having much of the problems compared to males. So clearly here, you know, females appear to have more these problems compared to males. Next slide. So I think what I want us to talk a little more about is on the uh, minority part, because the minority part is where the problem is actually highest. And what you see here is that the one will ask, why is, then the, why is it then the minority population? This might have to do with a few things. One is racism and discrimination. And in fact, you know that if you are a minority, many people experience this on a daily basis, either in a very light form or in a very severe form. How do you deal with that? And then you have social and economic inequalities, as I've also mentioned. Um, if you live in a, a places like Netherlands, whereby you, you feel that you, know, you have no good jobs, you have no things, that can. And also, I talk about the mental health stigma. Uh, in our communities, as I said, having a mental health issue is no good area. Particularly, our parents. Um, so people cannot actually talk about it. And actually, in our cultures as well, sometimes, um, is anybody speak a can here? Okay, those of you that speak a can, you have what you call uh, um, so you don't have a very light form of stress. So you don't have terms like that actually talk about, it doesn't separate the stress from severe mental health. So many people, you know, so far as you have any problems, wobble them. Yeah? You are mad. So there is no separation. And I think that's part of the problem. So we need to realize that, you know, there's a different levels. And that stress is just part and parcel of human behavior. And that if you have a stress, you are not mad. Yeah? And then across the criminal justice system, you know that many young minorities, particularly the African young part, sometimes get stuck in prisons and in you know, others, and, and therefore there, that's where also the problem actually exacerbates. Next slide, please. How are you doing with the time? I'm going too much? I think you are okay. Right, so the racism and discrimination. Um, when you say racism, uh, discrimination, uh, I just say that, you know, where a person is treated less favorable compared to the other population because of, for instance, your culture, your skin color, or whatever. So minority can experience racism in, the pers in their personal lives, as I said. 
Sometimes it can be special, sometimes it can be very helpful comments of even verbal or physical aggression. The rest, uh, races can be very stressful and have a negative effect on the mental health, especially if you go out as a, you know, African or as a black man and people start you know, calling you names, people start, you know, think that you don't think and others. all these things can actually uh, affect your mental health. And you know that people, uh, people who experience racism may be more likely to experience mental health problems compared to people who have not. So those people that are actually more exposed to environment where they feel more discriminated, that actually have more impact on their mental health compared to those that don't. Next slide. And then you have the social and economic inequalities. And as I said, the minorities, you are often more disadvantaged compared to the white population. And of course, actually, uh, why? Because some of us have moved to this country. You know, some of the parents, they come in in a very um, difficult situation. So sometimes it takes generations to build wealth. And, and so because of that, many of us end up in the fringes of society. And we also know that if your parents are not have a higher socioeconomic status, your chances of getting out there can be very difficult. Why? Because sometimes if you have a parent who do not even know the way the Dutch system works, you grow up not being able to navigate through even complex, even in the Dutch people, the Dutch system is so complex for even those that live in the system, let alone those that come in that have a lower socioeconomic status or have lower education levels. So that means that many people grew up already disadvantaged. So even if you have a very clever young people, because their parents don't know what to do, they end up not performing. In other words, sort of, if you like, very talented young people just have all the aspiration, you know, taken away because uh, they do not have the necessary support to be able to move up the ladders. And of course, as a result, that can also lead to youth un unemployment. Even those that actually do have employment, there are situations that when they get a job, it turns out that some of the the salary they are getting is even less with the same person with the same qualification. Again, that can create tremendous amount of unhappiness. For instance, if you know that you have all have a different, the same degree, um, and sitting doing the same job, and another person is getting more than what you have, it would drive you bananas. I mean, everybody, regardless of whoever you are, this is an injustice. And there are situations also whereby many young people, because also linking to unemployment, find it very difficult to say move out from their parents' home. And then they have to hang on. And that can also create problems. So all of these problems can actually have a huge impact on the psychological well-being of these people. Next slide, please. And also there is a stigma attached to mental health. I, I can emphasize this. Because I think it's very, very important that you also can, particularly the youth, I challenge you to discuss this with your parents. Start educating your parents that it is fine if you have stress. It's not that. 
And this has to deal with this. This is actually coming from Ghana, in some part of Ghana. If you have mental health, you're changed. And it still happened today as I talk to you. There is still, as I speak, many people have been chained up because of lack of understanding. And because of this, many people think that, you know, even if you have stress, it's going to lead like this. And I think it's actually a type of a culture that is driving this. So we need to start educating our parents that it's okay if you sometimes have a mental difficulty, it is okay. There is a solution. Next slide, please. And also the criminal system, as I've just mentioned it. And for instance, this is actually from England and Wales. You know that, you know, for many young people, for instance, about 40% of children, of all those people who are in the criminal system, remember that the 40% you are talking about, this is the entire population. And the minority population in the UK is just about... You know, 15%. But if you have all those people in this system and 40% are coming from that, that means that a large chunk of these people are from minority background. And you also know that actually those of them that um, go there, by the time they go into the system, they're already very clean mentally. But as soon as they get into the system, they become more withdrawn uh, because of the treatment and others because of, again, the discrimination taking a part. Next slide, please, because I think I want to run so that you can discuss. But African communities have been particularly affected about this problem. Uh, particularly, you know, men, we the men, African men, we are very, very susceptible, actually. And for some of these figures, in African men are more likely than white men to experience, you know, you also know that the risk of you know, psychosis, in, particularly in the African Caribbean, those that are coming from the Caribbean, um, nearly seven times compared to the white people in the UK. And also if people are de detained, if they have the problem and, and detention going to these places, they tend to retain more African people in these detention centers compared to the ordinary part. And then you have the highest, uh, you have the highest rate of drug use drug dependency than others because of course of this injustice that we discuss and also, also you know that actually you know that the white people tend to um, contemplate more on suicide but for the African people tend to commit it more so we, we don't sort of contemplate more but once we decide that we are going for it people go for it um, so there is also a um, disadvantage there. Next slide, please. But I think if you come home to the Netherlands, this is one of the works uh, that um, we did in our own department. And you look at the differences in the sem uh, depressive symptoms. And within depressive symptoms, probably if you highlight that, the first one is the Dutch. So if you take 100 people, 100 Dutch people, you get about six of them reporting that they have a depressive symptoms. The Ghanaian people, if you take a hundred, you get about, say, 10 people. It's actually, I was very, very surprised because the Ghanaian I talked to, uh, because I do a lot of work, everybody says they are stressed. <laughs> but uh, if you look at the figures, it actually was very encouraging 
because from what I everywhere everybody is stressed, especially if the pressure is in the, in, in the problem. Then, and then you have the African Surinamese, and then it can actually go up to say twenty four percent among the Turkish population. So actually, the Turkish population have a lot of problems to depression. And then you have the other side, which is the um, discrimination, perceived discrimination. You ask someone else whether they have experienced discrimination. But as we see for the Dutch people, if you take 100 people, just only two people will say that they have been discriminated against. But then look at the Ghanaian people. Nearly, if you take about nearly 30 out of 100, see that they have discrimination. And African Sudanese or Creole, nearly 31. And you know, up to 13. So clearly, you see that discrimination is a huge problem, and purely also for the minority population. And that can contribute to some of these problems that we talked about. Next slide, please. And also, because we are doing this uh, in Ghanaian, this is one of the work that my PhD student has just done. And you look at asking Ghanaians that are living in the Netherlands and Ghanaians living back in Ghana. So if you look at it, can I just use this for, particularly for this? Yeah, yeah. So here, these are the, um, the migrant Ghanaians living here. So the stress at work is just about nearly 50%, both men and women. This is very high, isn't it? And then people that have actually perceived discrimination. So this is actually very high than the one I showed you before, because here you included um, Ghanaians living in Germany and those living in London. And so it appears that actually the problem is even much worse there. And then those that have experienced negative life experience. But in Ghana, those living in Ghana, stress at work is also a major problem. But look at discrimination. It's just very, very low. So clearly, if, you, if you, those living here, you get exposed to some of these problems. And that has the potential to actually influence our psychological work. I'll let you uh, open the next slide so that I, will, I have to run uh, quickly because otherwise the time is going. Yeah. So effect of mental disorders on physical health. So basically the point here I want to make is that the mental health is linked to physical health. So if the mental health, you don't take it seriously, it's going to have an impact on our physical health. Um, so basically what we have is that, you know, stress system, I mean, just as I said, everybody gets stresses, especially when you come across something that is fright or you're afraid, the system, your body system starts reacting to that and then start, you know, activating hormones and releasing hormones, such as adrenaline and others, and then make you decide whether to, you know, fight or run away. That's just a normal part. But as time goes, this can actually revert and then correct itself very quickly. But the problem is that if this kind of stresses continue to persist all the time, that's where it have an impact on our health. Um, so if it become a long term, that actually can lead to problems such as heart blood pressure, heart attack, heart problems, and, and many, many others. So, some people can even you know, put on weight and then you start even getting the skin uh, problems, such as psoriasis and others. So the, the mental health has a major, major impact on the physical 
health. Please, next slide. So that I can I was so bold that I'm going to finish in the, a couple of minutes. <laughs> but uh, yes. So um, I think here, yeah, this again, this is a CBS data showing that the mental health, um, again, can I use this one here very quickly? Uh, if, you, if you look at the depression, the yellow one is those that actually um, were mentally unhealthy. So here, these are the people mentally um, healthy, and these are people which is mentally unhealthy. So those that are mentally unhealthy tend to report feeling ill or feeling unwell. So it's a clear, huge difference. And that's not only on depression. You have also migraine or headache. So you see those people that have, you know, mental problems report more of this. And allergies, dizziness with falls, even back disorders. So this can have a major, major impact. On the physical health. This slide. And for that also, our team, my team, you have also done a lot of work, particularly this is based on the Ghanaian population. You know that those that have experienced high level of discrimination also have much higher problems of heart conditions or heart problems. In fact, it's about 174% more compared to those that do not have this uh, discrimination. The same thing with people that experience stress at home or at work. These people also tend to have more hypertension compared to those that don't. Next slide. So this is, uh, I think, almost the last slide before you go into the discussion. So if you talk about these problems, what can we actually do about it? What can we do? And I said, if you are stressed, the first step to feel better is to identify the cause. We need to figure it out what is actually bringing this problem. You know, there should be a cause, and you should be able to figure it out. Why am that I'm so stressed out? What is happening? Think about yourself. Think about what is going on. And again, here, come to the key word I'm talking. Talking. Just talk. And it's most unhelpful um, thing you can actually do is that when you are stressed and then starting to use, for instance, um, substances or, or adapting unhealthy behavior. For instance, many people start taking drugs or they start drinking alcohol as a source of coping strategy. This is a very bad choice. So if you do have these problems, please... The last thing you want to do is, you know, involving in smoking or drink, you know, taking alcohol. There is always a solution. There is always someone up there who can help you to navigate through this. Again, come here. You need to start talking. Uh, not taking control of the situation will only make your problems worse. So you need to take a control of the problem. And keys um, to good um, stress management include building emotional um, strength. Emotionally, you have to start building on it. How can I? And luckily, one of the things also I like about the Ghanaian community or the African community is that you have something like church up here. There is always people there who can support you. So take advantage of that. 
and being in control of your situation, um, good social network. Again, you have a network here. Just make use of those networks. Um, and also adopting a positive outlook. I mean, many of us only looking for always, you know, what went wrong. You know, some people, I actually come across some people, uh, my own, which I sometimes advise, especially if you work in a places like me and many of you, which is very competitive world. If you don't take care, you become a paranoia because you think that everybody is talking about you. So forget about what other people are saying. It's their problem. It's not your problem. Think of what is good for you. What can you do better? What can help you? Don't let their problem become your problem. So I put it here, taking control. Taking control is in itself empowering. empowering, And it's a tricky part um, of finding a solution that satisfies you. Connect with people. You start to connect with people. You all have a very strong, you know, it can be your friends, it can be the family member, it can be someone in the church. Connect with people and talk about it. And also have some time to yourself. Sometimes there is a situation that you might say that oh, I need some time to myself. Start socializing. Don't sit in your room and don't, don't basically go through this problem on your own. Start connecting and socializing with people. And sometimes it's worth challenging yourself too. You might take on a new lifestyle. You might take on, um, you know, things. Sometimes it amazes you very little, little things. You don't have to start going to start climbing mountains, no. You can do very simple things, you know, that can actually improve your health. For instance, you might decide that you actually, there is a working group within your neighborhood you want to join. There is a gym you want to join. There is many, many things you can actually do. And also, as I said, I avoid unhealthy habits. Many people always find the easiest solution and that, for instance, alcoholism. As a sort of, if I drink, I don't see. That is a very bad choice. So do not engage in that. And also help other people. Um, I always say that when I was a child, uh, my dad used to tell me a very nice story. That there was this gentleman who thought he was very, very poor within the whole community. He's very, very poor. One day he decided that I've had enough. I'm going to commit suicide because my life is useless. And then this man went, he took the rope and decided to you know, hang himself. So he put his cloth and put it there. So he went there, and as he was about actually to, to start, someone came in, someone who was poorer than this man, who has never even had a shirt in his life, pick up the shirt and start thanking God, that God, thank you so much. This is what I've been looking for for all my years. And then he started to basically start praising God and taking the thing running. So the man who was then going to commit suicide realized that actually he's better off than someone else. And then he stopped. You are not the only person in the world who's got a problem. 
Everybody has his own problem. Everybody, if you haven't been to someone's home, you don't know what is going there. Every house has its own problems. So don't think that your problem is larger than someone else. Seek solution. Yeah? And try to stay positive. You know, sometimes you get into this viral, you know, everything is, is not good. If you start complaining everything, then you forget the positive things in your life. You know, look at what is the positive things in your life. There is a many of them, actually. There is many, many of them. So please look at the positive, not only the negative. And accept things you can change. There's a lot of things in life that you cannot change. Focus on those that you can change. That is where you can make a difference. Why sit down and bother that, oh, I want to, um, what's the word, um, have a, a Ferrari. <laughs> and you know that you, know, you don't have a job to be able to earn it. Why worry about that? Just get you, uh, you know, in the cars that you can think that, you know, this works for me. So please, again here, put a word here, cut your coats according to your size. I think I, this is very, very important to me. You have to cut your coat according to your size. Ensure that, you know, whatever you do fits. The problem is that if you start cutting your coat bigger than you, that's where the problem comes in. Then everything that you have is not good enough. You know, your family is not good enough. Your friends are not good enough. Appreciate what you have. You know, so that's very, very important to me. And at last, stay clear of those that bring troubles to you, especially the youth. There are so many people that constantly bring in these problems. Those people that actually you think that this is the guy who always brings trouble, just get away. Just get away. Because if you don't, these people are going to screw you up. Um, so I think I've talked so long. <laughs> so I think I'm going to stop here so that you can have a little bit of discussion um, from here on. Yeah. So thank you very much. So I think we now open the door for um, for discussion. Yeah. Any more questions? Because I want us to talk. I've, actually, I've talked too long. <laughs> but I want, I want us to talk here and discuss things. Is there, is there anything that you want us to clarify? Is there anything that you have, experiences that you have on your own? There is no wrong or there is no uh, correct. So you, I want people to be comfortable. Or otherwise, I'm going to go and start. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, um, I have a question. Right. Because um, what I understand is that when it comes to mental health, mm -hmm. um, a lot of the things start with um, depression, stress and depression, mm -hmm. right? But when, where is the line between 
a person that is dis uh, depressed mm -hmm. and a person that has a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. How do you differentiate the two and how do you recognize it? The, I mean, theoretically, if you have a depression, depression is part of the mental health problems. So, and the depression, of course, as I said, is, uh, can categorize in many ways. You have some situation where people have what you call the, um, a major meant, uh, you know, depressive symptoms. So in that regard, some people might need more help compared to people that have a mild depression. So these are basically uh, the important part. But I think the point here is that if you have a major depressive symptoms, you need to seek help. Um, you need not to sit down and then soak. You need to ask for help. And particularly if you live in a country uh, like Netherlands, there is always a lot of support in how to navigate through this system. Again, the here is that all of us pay our insurance, you pay our health insurance for that. And that is what the health insurance are used for. So make sure that if you have a problems or if you have a depressive symptoms uh, and if you cannot get the support from your immediate support, use the services that are available. There is always a lot of people out there to help you. Yes, there is a... Please, if you also have something to share, please feel free to share. This is a discussion. Yeah. Please, can you give us more uh, light on uh, the symptoms and how to identify those I mean, the symptoms, I think I put some um, slides on it. I usually, um, probably let me go back so that I, I can uh, re, um, capitalize here. To go back. So a, a proper place, where is the signs? Uh, especially if you start seeing people who are becoming more withdrawn um, in your communities. Uh, there are people when you see them always very cheerful and, uh, and sometimes you see them completely don't want to even come close. You know, they keep themselves um, to themselves. Early signs exactly here. And you see people when they then start, all of a sudden start sleeping. Especially for the parents, uh, those of their parents, if you see your child start sleeping and doesn't want to wake up. Um, and, and probably, you know, I, I, I'm so, you know, it's so nice to hear them giggling because that uh, means that, uh, yeah. And then if you have, they don't want to sleep and then start, you know, basically eating, uh, binge eating and other. So then you can, you can start actually seeing these signs. And when people also start, all of a sudden you have friends and others, then all of a sudden you start seeing them behaving, you know, especially when they are on drugs. So that means that these people get to the level that they need support. Actually. And also um, when they start, persistent memories and then sort of become feel unsafe when they start thinking that someone is up there to, to catch them. Yeah. Yes. I have a question. Um, can a mental health disorder, can it be transferred to DNA? So for instance, uh, genetics, I mean. Genetics. I think that's a very, very important thing that is always a, a lot of discussion around, particularly from the, the severe schizophrenia. Uh, you know that it certainly has a mental component to it. Uh, it has a genetic component to it. Um, and you know that, you know, in many people see that oh, it runs in the family. Uh, 
And so, and also actually in our culture, that's why, sorry, that's a very important point. That I know that those of us that have um, lived in Ghana before, even if there is a mental problem in the family, it sometimes it's very difficult for people within that family to get married because nobody wants that. But I think that, of course, it is true that they can't have some uh, genetic component to that. But many of them is actually driven by the environmental part. But more important is the environmental part that you can actually control. So, and that's why I base on that, because I, you want us to talk about those that you can change. And the environmental part that we can certainly um, change it. You know, in terms of your environment, in terms of socioeconomic status and others. So yes, um, to your question, genetic um, certainly do play a role, but environment takes a large chunk of it. Yes. A question for the severe cases like mental health disorders. What are your views on taking medicine? Or are you more to go to church and pray? Because some of these things won't work. Again, that's a very, very important uh, point. Um, I always am um, religious, I go to church as well, and others, but sometimes, um, how do I put it correct, <laughs> no, politically correct? <laughs> yeah. I think that sometimes you have to stop, and actually I'll use you an example. Um, when the Ghanaian uh, football team were playing the World Cup, and they were doing very, very well. As I always use this as an example. And the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper, it was a penalty, yeah? Um, so if there is a penalty, if you are a keeper, what, what do you do, actually? You keep focus on the ball, doesn't you? You just keep focus. And as this guy, instead of keeping focus, he started praying. You see? <laughs> and then the ball just went and... <laughs> You know, so this is kind of the point that I raised, and I also want to raise this point that, of course, God is good, and God has done a lot for us. But I think God is also wants us to use, and that's why God created the mind, and then created, um, yeah, the facilities around us. You know, that's where God has created a chair for him here. So when you come in, you sit down. So that means that if you also have a problem, you know, you have to use those facilities around you. You know, that's why God has helped us to create medicine and everything. So if you then sit down with this problem and then start praying, then you lose the basic concept that God has helped you to help solve problems. You know, I certainly believe that, you know, there are many things that you can do, but sometimes we don't take the advantage God is giving us to solve problems. You know, for instance, if there is a problem here, I know particularly I mean I go to Ghana, and then instead of people sitting down and solving the problem, people will be fasting for say several years. But God is giving you the brain to sit down there and solve the problem. What's happened to that? You know, the brain, the, the, God, the way that God has created the brain, brain is one of the most sophisticated things that you could ever have. God has created this for us. Why are we not using it? 
So the point here to that is that if you have this problem, if you have this problem, seek help. Seek advice. Seek, uh, go to the people that through God who've been trained to be able to help you. To help you. Don't sit in your room and start praying to God and hope that the manna will fall. Because if you sit down in your home and if you wake up in the morning, you don't go to work, the food will not flow and come from the ceiling to the table. No. That's why God is giving you the leg, giving you the hand. So you need to make use of that. But then, of course, you can pray in supporting that. You can pray to get the social support that we need. So it has to be a balance. Does that answer your question? Thank you. Um, thank you very much. First of all, my contribution is I'm very sad that it's only for the youth today because actually it should have been for the parents. Because that is my biggest, the people I'm fighting against all the time in my work uh, field. Because the parents sometimes refuse to accept the situation that a lot of the Ghanaian youth are battling with mental health. And I work with the youth and most of the 60% of the Ghanaian youth um, in the work that I do, I deal with Ghanaian youth, 60% are Ghanaians. And I can say, I think if the study that you did now will be done, the boys are dealing more with mental health than the ladies. Um, so I think that will change. And what I see is sometimes the parents are the problem because sometimes the school may see something, they will call the parents like, the behavior of your child, and the parents like, oh, no, but they don't know that this, and I'll be talking with the youth, and sometimes they will tell me what is bothering them, but instead of the parents seeking the help, you say, for the children to be examined so that they can have the proper indication, because in this, the Netherlands, too bad we work with indications before your child can get help. They become a stumbling block in their children's life, whereby they don't get the help they need. So that's what I'm saying, like, maybe we should see how we can bring this message to the parents and not the youth, because the youth sometimes are handicapped without the help of their parents. And another thing, what I miss in your presentation were the triggers whereby trauma, youth trauma, I really miss that in the presentation because a lot of, if you talk with the youth, something that happened to them when they were a child and then they grow old and you see that because they never dealt with it as a child, and it comes back and harm them, and then they get these mental problems and depression. And um, there is a big also stigma in, I don't know if I can say here, um, a lot of girls, Ghanaian children, have encountered with abuse when they were young. I know we don't talk about it, it doesn't happen, either a stepdad or uncle or whatever. There is this secret um, Facebook page. Um, where a lot of young girls are there. And if you go there and you see how this youth opened up about all of them encountering sexual um, inappropriate behavior from uncles, whoever they know, aunties, your, your, your jaw will draw because we think we are here, we are in churches, there is nothing wrong with our children, but there's a lot going on in the Ghanaian community. So that's That's a brilliant um, contribution, uh, Amma. That's really, really good. And I think that you've touched on very um, important issues, and particularly for, for the 
the, for the issue of the youth. And I think it's one of the things, actually, I'm glad that you brought this up, that particularly for many um, people from Ghana coming to the country, sometimes when people come here, they think they are still living in Ghana. So I'm not bashing Ghana, I'm part of them. So forgive me. But the problem is that uh, many of them also come, they hardly ever go back. And this example is one of my sisters who used to live in London. Uh, she stayed in London for many, many years before she went back to Ghana. And when she left Ghana, it was, I think, in the 70s when the situation was very, very bad. But for her, Ghana was the way she saw it when she migrated. So everything that deviates from that time is abnormal. Until she went back to Ghana. So she went back and realized that actually uh, it's not a country that she knew. And, and I think that, you know, it is also... Uh, Probably it's not only for the Ghanaians, it happens to all the migrant population. Because when they move, they take the, you know, the reference is the time that they live in the country. So when they come here, they want to apply the measures and the cultures that they are used to. And then they come to the country like Netherlands, which is also has its own culture. So for many parents, it's actually a, a, a constant struggle. How do I ensure that my culture persists and at the same time respecting the culture of the country that I've moved in? And for the young generation, those people that are brought here as young or those people that are born here become even more complicated because you have um, one culture at home and one culture outside home. And how do you navigate through this? There's some cultures that you think that, you know, when something happens, you should keep it under the carpet. And the culture that says that if something bad happens, open up. So for the parents, you kind of, sometimes they know that these things are going on, but they're afraid also. So the point here is that so many, you know, of these youth who have gone through this process and now, you know, grown up even in some cases, people then normalize it. Because this has been happening in the family for persistence. Until they grow up and they realize that this is an abuse. But then many of these children are bold enough to be able to come up and talk about it. Many of them is also worried. Because they know that it has a consequences. So how do you deal with this all this complicated issue? So the point here is that, you know, you have many people in the community. You have many people like Amers. There are so many Amers and so many people there. You need to communicate with those people that can help you. Uh, the most important thing is that, you know, because if you don't deal with this problem, especially if you get abused when you are little, this can ruin the entire of your life. So it's very, very important that you talk about it. 
even if, of course, I mean, there, certainly there's going to be a resistance within the family. This is a family secret. It shouldn't get out here. But think about yourself. Think about your own well-being. Because if you don't deal with it, you're going to be the one who suffers it most. And if you are afraid of creating, um, or if you are afraid that it is having consequences, talk to people you can have a confidence in. There are many people within the communities who are willing to support you. So please make use of them. And this is very, very important. And that's, in my talk, I keep on saying that, you know, don't stay in your room and suffer in silence. There's a lot of uh, people up there, you know, people in that like, type of work that Ama does. Um, she's there who, who can help you. If you say that Ama, you don't want Ama is connected to that, there is always someone up there you can actually call um, to, to get, a, get a support. Yeah? So that's a really, really great point, Ama, um, for bringing this up. your presentation analysis, uh, why is that people with these F disorders sometimes don't accept to themselves that they have these problems? Because when you compare to a disease and illness, it's different because with the disease and illness, you easily can address and get a solution. But with the mental health disorder, sometimes people don't accept it for themselves, for, for, for them to be treated. If you can throw more light on that. Yeah, I think, I think that's, um, thank you for the uh, nice question again. But I think that's also related to the point that you've raised. Because the community has demonized the world's mental health, it makes it very difficult for people who are suffering from it to actually to come out. You know, how would I go to my mom to tell my mom or my dad that I have issues with mental health? Where are you going to say that I'm um, or I'm mad? So I think that that is part of the problem. And I think it's also where we, particularly we, the youth here, oh, I'm not youth yet, um, I'm youth, whether you like it or not. <laughs> but this is the, where we can play a very, very important role. You know, now you get to the point that you can have an influence on your own parents, the way your parents think. You need to basically explain this to them. You need to actually show them that ma or dad, when you say a mental health, it doesn't mean wabadam. It means many, many things. So we can be an advocate to educate our parents what are the differences. So once they understand these different levels, then they can open up for you to express these problems. So until we actually solve that part, it's going to always going to be a big problem for us to discuss. Yeah, you want to. I would love to share my personal experience. Um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I think four or five years ago. It started with like a serious psychotic attack and then I was rushed into the hospital and everything. And then the thing with it, it's like you, well, in my case, luckily, my parents brought me to the AMC and not to a pastor. But the thing also with it, the people around you will, even though it has happened, they will still try and add prayer to shut it up. Like, you can pray about thing, bring uh, Bible scriptures, Psalms, and everything. 
for you. So then you even feel like, oh, am I not a good enough Christian? That something happened to me. So I think also that keeps a lot of us from opening up. And also, even if your parents accept it, the people around you might also silence you. So I think that is something we as a community uh, must work on. But I wanted to be focused, focused about it because it was like, well, if I have it, then maybe there are other Ghanaians who have it as well. So. I think that's it. Let's clap for her. Yeah. You are certainly not alone because we know that actually for the youth, if you have it, about one in four have this problem. So it's a, it's a big issue. It's the only thing that you have people who are very bold enough, like you, to come up and, and just say it. So yes, I think that you know the community have to do, and I actually agree with Ama that I'll be happy to also to come. Um, Jennifer, you might have to take this on for the for the older because we need to educate them about this because it's only when you've done that that you can actually move a step further. Someone here is desperate to talk. Please, I will let her talk to you. I'm more desperate. Yeah? Okay, good. Okay, thank you. Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, we saw in one of the diagrams mm -hmm. that um, um, more females mm -hmm. have a war, have mm -hmm. um, told about their disease. Mm -hmm. And as Amma just said, she thinks that uh, boys have it more. Uh, and nowadays, that boys have it more. I also believe in that. But what can we do for them to bring it out as well? Because we know that, okay, uh, females have a lot of social pressure you know, from a young age. We are thought to behave well. We are thought to uh, get in good marriages and that. But what can we do for the boys to open up more? Because I agree with Alan. I think there's a, there's a, there are a lot of boys that have the same problem. I, I think uh, uh, I think you are right too because the data I show you actually was based on the national data, and I think the uh, you might be right and I agree that because you know that especially uh, women tend to be more uh, open about this, so you know that women are more likely to talk. Boys and others tend to keep it to themselves, um, and I think that has to deal with the masculinity. <laughs> But they think that you know they should not have the problem, and then if they have the problem, nobody should know because actually, if the, if someone knows, then that means that they are not strong enough. I think that if you do that, you'll be deceiving ourselves, boys. Um, so let's start talking. And I think that you know again here the issue that you raised also relate to the one that I've just mentioned. The community, we need to accept that this is an issue. Because the community also expect the boys to be strong. And that means that if these boys do have these problems, it becomes very, very hard for them to open up. So I think that actually uh, the, the key message is that we need to start educating the, 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 the adults, those people that are not here. And um, so I think that if you are able to basically educate people to know that you know the boys also need help, then you can make a lot of progress about that. Thank you for your But I had a question about uh, people with mental health problems that end up in a mental institution or hospital. How do you think about it? And also, 
you don't really hear much about it like people go there because people say they get more it gets worse or they get more crazy because of the 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 medicines or being surrounded with people that have the same problem but maybe even worse so yeah i'm just wondering how and yeah yeah what do you think about it well what do i think about it i work in say <laughs> Uh, so let me more let me be more objective. The objectivity here is that if you have people, particularly those with uh, you know uh, severe forms, that end up in the hospital. Remember that many of those with this mental, if only a few of them actually go because many of them can be dealt with, like you know light stresses and others. You can actually have within your own community have a psychologist or everything. It's only those with the heart, just like schizophrenia and others, that people end up there. Uh, the importance of these people ending up there is that, you know, for them, for, for, for one, it provides safety for these people. It also provides safety for their own families. Remember that when people be, become very severely retarded, it can be quite dangerous for themselves and also for the people around them. So for that regard, I think it's very important that these people get the support that they need. Remember, if someone has a hallucination, I mentioned it, you know, sometimes uh, people feel that, you know, the uh, being, um, some people even see themselves as, as, the, as the king of the world or the queen of the world. And therefore, if they say something, it has to happen. Uh, and you also know that in some cases, many people have actually, uh, because it was not well managed, they can even commit crime, very serious crimes, uh, because they don't know what they're doing. Not because they do it, but because they are being, uh, basically, the, the mental problem is forcing them to do that. So in that regard, I think it's very, very important that these people get the treatment that they need. And in terms of the second issue in terms of these communities, whether they go there, they're surrounded by uh, many people and that whether it's good or not. I think, of course, if you go into places and you need that, it is a place where people seek support, just like going to hospital. In most people, if you go to the hospital, many people in that world are people who also have a problem. Uh, but I think we need to do that. But there's also a situation whereby you have home services, for instance. But if it is very severe and it's going to have impact on the safety of the person and the people around them, then I think that's very important that you protect them as well as individuals around them. Yeah, please. Yeah, yes, the, the problem is that particularly if someone gets a schizophrenia, as I said in one of my slides, it can be for a long time. But so far as the person starts having a you know, hallucination, having you know, all these we need to protect these people. And also with time, because they can even get severe. And of course, you know, many people, because of that, they also get a medication that can help them to bring it. And this medication, of course, is the only solution, but the medication itself also makes people become timid. Basically, it just kind of helps others to bring people back. Uh, but yes, I think that's the, um, 
unfortunately, that's what's available. But I think that the, the safety of the, pe or the person themselves and the people around them is very, very important. Because you've had many situations whereby people with, you know, this have even killed their families. In some situations, even kill them and eat them. Um, so we need to protect um, society. Yeah, please. Uh, first of all, thank you for your presentation. Uh, I would like to add a contribution. Wonderful. Um, I think we've heard a couple of times that um, we should speak up or the people who are going through it should speak up. But I think to add to that, it's also very important for the people who are being approached to listen. Because I think that's one important thing as well. Um, we should, if, you're, if you've been approached by someone, you should listen with like honest interest, have time for the person to speak up. And not always wanting to have um, the solution. Because sometimes the solution is just to listen. And I think that we are so quick to have like a solution, do this, do this, um, go to this person, go to that person. But I think listening can do a lot for people. So let's also listen. And um, the second thing I wanted to add, and I think you've said it already, but to, um, how do you say it? To send people to go and seek for professional help as well, because we don't always have the answers. So uh, the people who do have the answers or do know how to, go about the matter, um, they have beroepsgeheim. So I think, yeah, so I think that will make it also easier to like speak about things you cannot easily talk about within your community. So I think, yeah. That's brilliant. I think that, you know, listen is, yeah, you know, listen is very, very important, you know, especially actually not only for, for that, but we know that, you know, people that have time to listen, Particularly, actually, this is a tip for relationships, uh, man and woman. You have to make time to listen. Even if you don't like the story, please sit down and listen. Because sometimes people just want to talk. Let them talk. Don't interrupt. So listen, actually, is very, very important. Uh, and I, I, I can agree with you more. And the second point is also very, very important. You know, these professionals, are everything that you go there and tell them are confidential. So if you are not happy talking to your own environment, get the professional. Everything that you said, you will just be kept there and nobody will have access to that. So that's a very, very important point as well. Yes. Yes, I had another question. Um, my question is, let's say in your environment, you see somebody who ticks all the boxes when it comes to the symptoms, right? And you want to help the person. What are the what are, what kind of advice do you have to help that person? What are the places you can go to to um, search for help for the person? Because most of us, when we see such a person, we don't know where to go. The only thing is we do what we know how to do. That is just talk and advice, and we just say what comes up in our mind. But we don't know where to go to seek for help for them. Because, like you said, most of them don't even know they have an issue. So what are the places we can go to to seek help for them? Um, what can we do to help them? I think that's a very, very important point. Where can you seek help? I think that if you have someone, so for instance, if someone is in your family and you're beginning to see these things, you know, the, the way the Netherlands system works is that you have GPs as the gatekeepers. So the GPs, um, you know, especially if someone in your family you are not, if you get a GP, the GP can actually help you out. 
if you don't want to have a GP, there is also a lot of social services within, especially the social workers. If you are children and others, especially for the family, social workers for families, they also play a very, very crucial role. So you can also basically mention this to those social workers. And then the social workers can link it up and they, you know, again, they come back to the GP and then they can decide whether this person needs assessment. And if the assessment means, sometimes actually the assessment, you can have, say, be referred to a psychologist. Because the psychologist can then support you to basically solve the problem. Usually, you know, you don't, some, sometimes you don't even have to go far. It's only those, you know, that bascula and others, sometimes actually can, things can be, can be solved within the communities that you actually reside. But of course, there might also be a situation uh, whereby you, know, you are completely lost. And that's why it becomes very important that the leaders within the communities, you know, like someone like Ama here, you, know, you have to have people like that to approach these people who know how the system works. Someone like Jennifer, someone working on the health arena to really navigate through the system. So you need to take advantage around your own environment and also uh, making use of, of the GP. But there is also a lot of, um, what's the word, especially, um, I don't know whether people use the GP website. GPs in the country have a very, very nice website that actually, if you have any issues, actually I will try and send a link to Jennifer that any problem that you have, once you go there, you can actually get all the information that you need. There's a lot of also very useful website that can actually also support you uh, in, in getting this. But please, those of you that don't want to take that far, please make use of the, those people within your immediate communities. Um, here, for instance, is in the church. There is even a lot of people in the church who can actually support you. So talk, make sure Use them. They are willing for you to for you to use them. So approach them. I've just been told that we need the last question because wow, what a time! It's ten o'clock. This is this land. <laughs> Any more questions? Yes, please. So um, regarding on um, medication that. myself, I see that um, the medication that's been given doesn't per se help to exactly what this, what the symptoms is. It just numbs it for a little. Basically what alcohol does. But like, is that, does that actually work? Are there medications that actually do work? Well, the, um, of course, you know, the medication, uh, the good thing about places like, particularly in the medical world and others, you have pharmacies very close. So correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but I think that what happens is that for every medication that you use for any health, particularly in the Western world, it has to go through a lot of stages. You know, you have to go, you know, what you call the trials. So several phases of trials because before the medication can be approved. So any medication that actually come into circulation has gone through a series of tests. 
and it's been proven to be effective before it can be prescribed. So all the medication that are given are actually, theoretically, it's actually effective in bringing the situation under control. But of course, the issue then becomes the effect, the side effect of the medication. And unfortunately, you know, every medication has its own side effects. Even the very common medication like you know blood pressure medicines like we take, it also has its own effects. So unfortunately, this is something that no one can do something about. The only thing is that if the person have a very extreme side effects, and if you as a family member seen this side effect, then you have to dis discuss it with the, the doctor who is looking after that person to try and see whether they can find a different medication for that person or so. But certainly the safety of the medication has been tested and therefore can be used. But the issue is how do you address the side effects? And that's where you as a family members become very important. Because you are from top here, but it's been a pleasure uh, to be here to talk to you all. I've learned a lot through the process, um, and I will take with me. And I'm pretty sure that Jennifer, based on the suggestion from Ama and others, I'm going to talk to the, uh, the older people. Um, someone's probably in our disease, probably called geriatrics, which I'm involved. <laughs> um, and then try and see whether we can um, get this information to try to help our community. Thank you very much for the opportunity to talk. Thank you.